welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello and thank you for listening to this show today. Just a few weeks ago, some of my friends and contacts started to spread the word about a new book. This book immediately called my attention because of its very intriguing title, A Sale is a Love Affair. And I'm happy today that Jack Vincent, the author of this book, is our special guest. Jack Vincent is a sales advisor, speaker and trainer who divides his time between Bustop, New York and Lucerne, Switzerland. And he's also an amazing TEDx speaker. Hello, Jack. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Oscar. Great to be here. Happy to have you here, Jack. Good, good. Well, it's, it's a beautiful day in Lucerne, Switzerland, and, uh, and I'm ready to share my thoughts with you and your audience. I'm really pleased to be here. Awesome. Also a sunny day here in Helsinki. <laughs> Jack, could you tell me more about yourself and your projects? Well, about myself, boy, oh boy, uh, I could tell you a lot about myself. I don't know uh, how much of it would bore you, uh, but I'm, I'm uh, at an age now where I found my authentic voice. I really think I wasn't there for a while. I believe I'm kind of artsy and kind of strategic. So for the middle of my career, I just wanted to be buttoned down and corporate and Uh, doing what was right, uh, of course, and I still want to do what's right. But uh, as I got into my late 40s and early 50s, I said, wait a minute, I'm me and I'm uh, a bit more of an artist than that. So I started speaking from the more human side. And with that, uh, people uh, seemed to, uh, to find my messaging more interesting, more unique. And I always say niche thyself. And, and, and so since then, I've been called an artist. Uh, I sh I'm sorry, I've been called a poet in a business suit. And since then, I've lost the suit. I wear a suit now four or five times a year. Some of my projects, well, I've just written the book that you've referred to. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that. I do uh, a lot of public speaking and I do sales training, uh, presentation skills and leadership development. My next new thing will be online sales training. I will be offering sales training that my corporate clients pay thousands for, for workshops. I'll be offering that to the public for a, uh, a much more accessible price. Uh, online sales training. So I'm working on that now. Always got a new project going and, and that's my latest one. It will be probably going live in, in a month or two. Oh, that sounds excellent. I have seen you on stage when you visited Helsinki two, three years ago. And I know you are a great speaker. You already mentioned. Two, But when 2012, you... correct? Yes, I think it was 2012, yes. Could you tell us when did you start in public speaking? Well, I mean, I think it started pretty early. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I ran for vice president of the student body in high school and I gave a presentation there. I was, um, uh, I, I ran something called Santa's Helpers and I'll talk about my stage fright moment <laughs> there. 
And very early on, I was uh, always making presentations in business, in school. So I don't, it's really hard to say when did it start. <laughs> I think, you know, probably it, it started uh, officially when I was in the corporate world and the agency world. I do remember one of my first uh, presentations in front of an audience that was sitting there coming for me was when I worked in the sports marketing industry. I used to sell the TV rights and sponsorships to major events, including the Olympic Games and World Cup football and men's tennis and events like that. And I spoke at IEG, which is kind of the conference for sponsorship in North America. It attracts an international crowd. It's in Chicago every spring. And I gave uh, a presentation there on how to get indoors, how to get uh, a first meeting with prospective clients. So I think that was really the first time I stood in front of an, a public audience as opposed to a corporate audience. And I was listed as a speaker. And that was probably, oh, yeah. oh 1990 that I did that. Okay. Long journey already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not a young man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it, but I don't, uh, uh, my, my, my birth date doesn't say it. <laughs> 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 and Jack, have you ever had a stage right moment? Oh God, yes. Uh, I'll <laughs> never forget it. And, and I will just say that since then, uh, and, and Toastmasters and other public speaking um, um, environments have certainly helped me. But when I was a senior in high school, my, my final year of high school, I was co-president of an organization called Santa's Helpers. And we used to have kids like myself and, and others. I was co-president just for that year. And we used to have kids standing out in front of supermarkets and stores and key intersections in town saying, uh, you know, could you donate to help the poor so that we can buy them food for Christmas? And there was the Christmas concert at high school. And that was right in the season. That was maybe six days before Christmas or so. And our Santa's helpers kids were already all around town. And I, as co-president and the one who did a lot of speaking, mm -hmm. <clears throat> was asked to come out and say something at the intermission. Mm -hmm. Well, I was very distracted going into it. We arrived late. You know, all of the things that are you don't do, I did. Um, and, and I was getting nervous and I was letting my nerves make me more nervous and people were distracting me mm -hmm. and, 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 and then somebody said, oh, we can't find the clarinet player. It's going to be five minutes. Do your presentation now. Cause we were going to ask everybody to make donations. And I went, what? And instead of saying, nope, I can't do it. Cause I wasn't, I went out there. And I said, man, I had my first line. And I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You've probably seen our Santa's helpers all around town. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh. And, and I just, and, and the crowd kind of giggled. You could tell they were sympathetic. And I just, and I just froze. And I went, please help us. And I walked off stage and people laughed rather nicely. You know, what else could they do? And the thing is, we raised more money than any other Christmas concert. 
But what I did was, and I went off stage and I felt so bad and I gathered my thoughts. And, and when we collected the money, I walked back out on stage and I said, a few moments ago I came out here and I melted down and I felt this big and I made a small gesture with my fingers. And I said, but now knowing what we've done tonight, I feel so much bigger and I hope you do too. Thank you, Merry Christmas. And the place went crazy. <laughs> and you know, that I mean that was like table topics, you know, with a second chance. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but, uh, you, you know, rehearse, arrive early, don't let people get under your skin, isolate yourself if you need to, sure. you know, you are talent, treat yourself that way. Don't be arrogant, but just say, Hey, I have a job to do tonight. This is how I'm going to do it. Thank you. Uh, and, and I did, you know, a few of the best practices I did wrong and I paid for it. Yeah. You, you are showing the, you were, uh, like an artist. <laughs> yeah, but you know, even artists have to prepare, you Absolutely. know? <laughs> Absolutely. Were you already wearing a Santa's uh, costume? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, uh, uh, no, I didn't come out. Uh, no, I just came out as a student kind of thing. So okay. just yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have, but, uh, <laughs> but there, there were like 10 kids out in the audience passing, uh, uh, cups around, uh, and they were wearing uh, little elf hats, as <laughs> in the North certainly know. Awesome. Now the best part. Tell uh, us more about your recent book, A Sale is a Love Affair. Well, you know, this, uh, it was a book that has uh, just been resonating in me for a long time. Uh, you know, and sometimes when you talk to people who think that salespeople are bad, And that's one of the premises of the book, that great salespeople are good. But, you know, they go, oh, um, sales in love, how crass. And I think, <laughs> well, actually, what's wrong with sparking interest, uh, asking good questions, listening, building solutions together, planting a vision for the future, uh, negotiating in win-win? Well, that's what great salespeople do. Shouldn't be that it, what lovers do. But the book, all except one chapter, is, you know, for salespeople. And, you know, basically it, the, the premise is that the top salespeople in any industry are loved by their customers. They build a deep connection that parallels finding love, falling in love, and growing a trusting romantic relationship. And, and while I was researching it, I discovered that the advice given by today's dating coaches and marriage counselors, it correlates directly with the best practices used by leading marketing consultants and sales trainers. And you know, the, the, the really great salespeople don't push customers through their sales cycle, they pull customers through the customer's purchasing cycle. And you know, that's So it's really creating a correlation between customer focus and loving your customer. You know, you, you may not put your customer's needs ahead of yours, but you will put them in parallel with yours. Well, that's what great romantic partners do, and that's what great salespeople do. So, you know, the more you love, the more you get. Love more, sell more. Uh, and it seems to be resonating. Yeah, that is the, yeah, the main message. Love more, sell more. You mentioned sure. already that you have been reading at least some of the books about relationships. Probably that has been one of your inspirations or how did you come up with the idea for this book? 
Well, you know, when I wrote the book, it's my second book on sales. And while I don't profess to know everything and I don't even profess to be the best salesperson, I'm a very good trainer. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good salesperson, but I'm a writer too. So when I, um, I didn't need to research sales. I've been doing sales training among other types of, uh, of personal improvement. I've been doing sales training for 10 years and I've been selling and marketing for, for 20, 30 years. Um, so um, I, the idea for the book actually came out when I separated uh, four years ago. And I was out there, you know, looking for love again, uh, dating, good luck, bad luck. And I was meeting with, you know, with friends for coffee as my sales training work is going on. And, you know, so I'm meeting for coffee, meeting for glasses of wine. And, you know, I was telling my woes to my friends while also listening to theirs, you know, coach and be coached. So I was really in this space of exploring love, dating, relationships, um, and uh, all the while I'm doing my sales thing. And, and so that I was giving a workshop for a large audience, for a large uh, um, workshop, 30 people about, and we were doing an exercise on uh, what do you do when a customer goes quiet? Uh, either you you know they just haven't been returning emails and phone calls, or they're in a meeting, and you can tell something's wrong, and they're just not progressing forward. What do you do? And they came up with the answers that I you know I want them to come up with the answers of you know you need to probe, you need to ask questions. Oscar, I'm sensing something isn't uh, smooth here. Is there anything I need to know in order to help you? Uh, so and and so my mom says that I'm like a bit theatrical and I should have been an actor and that sometimes we're in conversations and I go into one act plays. So I went into one of my one act plays as leader of the of the workshop and I put my hand on my hip and I talked like a housewife or a wife and I said, "Baby, you're not talking to me, honey. I gotta know. Is something wrong? Tell me, baby." And it got a laugh and everyone laughed. But what happened was that it now became their joke. And through the rest of the two-day workshop, this was the first morning, through the rest of the workshop, in other exercises, they were coming up with parallels of sales and dating and romance and relationships. <laughs> to the point that and, and that and women like this as much as men. One woman who was rather extroverted and funny, one time we're doing an exercise on closing, on, you know, how do you close? And she said, ah, man, you guys, she looked at her peers and said, you guys are too slow for me. I just look the man's <laughs> eyes and say, baby, are you coming home with me or not? And, you know, and, and, and that came from a woman. So I thought, you know, this is not crass. This is not pickup artist. This is mm -hmm. resonating with humans of both genders and all ages and all types. Uh, and I kind of left that workshop saying, I'm going to write a book on this. And, th and that's how it, that's how it took root. All right, that's very interesting. It came from one of your workshops and from the wars I, of the people, eh? 
Yeah, it came from my workshop, but also the space that I personally was in at the same time. So I was dating and having luck and not having luck. And my other friends were having problems in their marriages or it was going well or they were divorced and dating, too. And, you know, so that was where I was personally. And then this is where I was professionally in a workshop when it really took root. Yeah. Yes, that sounds awesome. And who is your target audience for this book? The target audience for this book is salespeople. Uh, it is for um, uh, leaders who get involved in sales. Um, it, I, I was once talking to a, uh, a prospect that turned into a client. It was a CEO of a, of a branding agency and they you know, would win and lose pitches. And he was not happy with the rate at which they were winning. And so one day on LinkedIn, I get a message from, uh, from a contact and saying, hey, Jack, I just, you know, I meet two or three times a year with an old college friend and he runs this branding agency and I think you two should meet. So uh, here I am in the office and, and um, of, of the CEO and real easygoing, you know, jeans and uh, branding agency. And, and, um, and I say, you know, a sale is a love affair. And he, and he said, I know. I've always thought that. I've, I've always thought that too. And so we get into it and, you know, it really connected with him. And we're, you know, I, I want to focus on his business and his challenges in sales. Uh, so we're talking about that and he's coming back with little sales love anecdotes too now. And at one point he says, you know, we're on a blind date. This is a referral, a referral from a friend. So we're on a blind date. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, do you mind if I put this in the book? Because this is where I get ideas. I mean, uh, yeah, the ideas come out of my head, but what goes into my head? Everyday things. So the book really is targeted at people who sell. Now, uh, sometimes you do sales training or you try to improve people's skills and they may say, yeah, 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 I know that, but they don't use it. Or, oh, I've learned it, but they don't put it to use. And one way, th there's really two ways of making sure people put things to use. Uh, and one of them is making the material memorable. So I believe that because this link of love and selling, of happy relationships and customer service, of, of, of dating and prospecting. I think that link sticks with people and I think therefore that some of this, each chapter after the first five opening, each chapter is really a sales skill, but how it works in love. So I think by making that link, uh, I hope that the skills stick a little more with the readers and with my uh, clients because I do drip this into my to my workshops now too. So the audience is salespeople. One note, there is a chapter in there saying it cuts both ways. And that is about, okay, you think sales in dating is crass? Okay, well, this is a book on sales, unless you want to use some of the tips here. And I say, you know, what is wrong in dating? Uh, if you think that salespeople are awful and they're just out for money, sure, then, <laughs> somebody who's just out to have sex with you, sure. But if a salesperson really wants to take care of his clients mm -hmm. and make a living, if a guy is, you know, wants to find love, and yeah, he wants sex 
thin there or whatever, but he really, want, you know, this is a human natural thing here. This is not perverted. If a guy or a woman, you know, sparks your interest, uh, listens to you, asks you questions, goes deeper, talks enough about themselves to relate to your life, uh, builds solutions for the future and negotiates in win-win, what's wrong with that? Isn't that what good lovers do? Well, that's what good salespeople do. But that's only one chapter. The book really is tailored to salespeople and anybody who's out there uh, trying to persuade people uh, to do it their way. Oh, yes. As you, as you mentioned on uh, what your book, it definitely sounds like it's going to stick with the readers. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Jack, you mentioned to me earlier that about uh, taking risks when you write, when you speak. Could you elaborate on that? Well, this book came from my heart. Uh, and, and I actually posted on Facebook today, um, if people aren't, and, and it's just correlated to this, I didn't do it. If people aren't laughing you, if people aren't laughing at you, your dreams aren't big enough. And I've always felt that, especially in this, you know, as I approached my 50s and things like that, I said, you know, when I speak at a conference, mm -hmm. I would much prefer that 50% of the audience is shaking their heads and looking at their person next to them going, yeah, this guy's onto something. And 50% going, this guy's crazy. How could he <laughs> say this? I would much prefer that than 60% looking at their mobile phones, planning who they're going to see at the buffet, at the coffee break. And the rest of them kind of listening, going, yeah, 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 another presentation. Um, and I will also say that even those who say, this guy's crazy, they actually sell you because they go out to the breakfast buffet and they say, you can't believe the presentation that I just saw. And 50% of the people will say, actually, I like that idea. What's his name again? So uh, I, you know, I would rather people be talking about me for good and for bad because that is going to resonate, it's going to get attention, and even the naysayers uh, say, say, even the naysayers sell you when they don't even want to. So how did I take risks? Well, you know, I say that men and women are different. I totally believe in equality. I totally believe that there should be an equal number of CEOs out there. Um, uh, as, as women and men and blacks and gays and whites. And I totally believe in all of that stuff, but we are different. Please don't tell me that we are the same, you know, just look at your body. We're different. And, you know, I, 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 I say, you know, so I have a chapter that is called salespeople are from Mars. Customers are from Venus. And the first line is, uh, um, women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place. And I talk about the, you know, that women will have a thousand reasons not to sleep with a man until they do. And then they'll have a thousand reasons to justify it. Uh, and, and that is like a customer, um, it, a customer, if let's say there's one or two people in the organization that want to hire you as a vendor, as a partner, and they are going to take a risk internally by, so they need to trust you. A woman needs to trust you. A man needs to trust a woman. Okay. But, uh, you know, customers are from Venus. 
So that customer internally is going to face a thousand questions before they mm -hmm. sleep with you. And after they do, they're going to have a thousand reasons why they did the right thing. So that is one example of customers are from Venus, salespeople are from Mars. Now you can be a woman salesperson, that's cool, but you're going to have to be a hunter. You're going to have to take, sure a woman may ask a man out for a first date. How often does that really happen? It happens occasionally. If a man wants to date enough so that he finds the right partner, if he's onto a partner that he thinks could fulfill his life, he needs to take the responsibility to be confident, charming, and the responsibility to push the relationship forward. And a salesperson needs to do that too. Now, I think that's a bit risky. I do think that, you know, that, you know, some people are going to say, oh, look at that guy. He doesn't believe in equal rights. I do. There's also another chapter that is titled, A Gentleman is a Patient Wolf. And I open that chapter saying the politically correct are going to yell incorrect on this one, but here goes. And it, you know, it basically says a gentleman wants a woman, okay, like a man, you know, a man wants a woman, okay, like a wolf wants food. Okay. A gentleman, however, is a patient wolf. Salespeople need to be a patient wolf. They need to know what their objective is but they need to be patient, they need to be gentlemanly, and they need to go with the rhythm of the client. There is, listen, there is nothing wrong with a man who wants sex wrapped up in a holistic relationship. Nothing wrong with that, we are human. There is nothing wrong with a salesperson who wants income wrapped around helping clients be successful. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's where I believe I took risks. But you know what? It came from my head. It came from my heart mm -hmm. and my head. You know, what? how does those two things work? And I just thought, I really believe this. I don't think it's offensive. And if someone thinks it's offensive, fine. But I think most people will say, yeah, that's very human. And so I just put it out there naked. I just put it out there and said, here it is. Shoot me, hang me, <laughs> or love me. Okay, and uh, and it seems to be resonating. So, yeah, I believe so. Um, there are those are really amazing analogies you are doing. Eh? Really sounds like a amazing read. Jack, could you share with us your favorite quotation? Uh, and I have so many favorite quotes. So many favorite quotes. And one of them is, "You were wild once. Don't let them tame you." I just believe that authenticity, authenticity is where the human condition is and that's where you resonate the most with. And you know, I'm not saying go be savage at the opera, okay? But I am saying go enjoy the opera or whatever it is. Be you, it resonates with clients, uh, it resonates with lovers, uh, it resonates with people. You, know, you were wild once. Don't let them tame you. Of course, we got to live in a civilized society. We're not going to live like babies. We're not going to live like seven years old, seven year olds. But there is something deep, deep, deep inside of us that should not be tamed. So you were wild once. Don't let them tame you. Hmm. 
Nice quotation, thanks. Yeah, could, could you also recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? Yes. My favorite book, you know, I, I again, this is one of those that I have too many. <laughs> I would say one of the books that made a difference in my life, you know what it is, Oscar, because when you contacted me, you said you remembered it from my presentation in Finland. Uh, and I used, I used it uh, in my first book. I referred to it. And that was my chapter called If You Meet Buddha in the Lane, Pass Him the Ball, mm -hmm. yeah. referring to basketball. And that book is uh, Sacred Hoops. Spiritual Lessons of a Hardwood Warrior. It's by Phil Jackson. Yeah, Phil Jackson was the coach for the Chicago Bulls when they three-peated in the 90s. He had, a, uh, he had a team of superstars, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, you know, and other names that aren't coming to me right now. But if you were there watching basketball in the 90s, he had five superstars and a bench full of superstars. <laughs> And, uh, you know, in it, and I will refer to it, uh, to the chapter that I mentioned that you liked, you know, they were in the 90s, they were a great team, but they weren't winning the finals. They weren't getting, you know, they weren't getting to the finals or they weren't winning them. And he sat Michael Jordan down and he said, Michael, everybody knows you're a superstar. Okay. And, you know, when you're hot, I want them to pass you the ball, but some nights you're not hot. And you're not passing them the ball. And actually, if you start passing the ball more, you might get hot too. Um, you know, I want you not to be a superstar. You are a superstar. That will never change. I don't want you to focus on being a superstar. I want you to focus on being a leader. And I want you to rally the troops. And the best way you can do that is on the floor. Pat, you know, you're going to see Buddha in the lane sometimes. Pass him the ball. Let Scotty be hot. Let Dennis be hot. And you know what? When they get hot, sometimes somebody's going to go block them and they're going to pass the ball to you and you're going to crush it. But the mission here, if you really want to be a legend in basketball, we're going to have to win some championships. And the way we're playing right now, we're not winning championships. The decision is yours. Do you want to be a lone superstar or do you want to be a superstar on a championship team? Be a leader. Be a leader with me. Pass the ball more. Uh, and they went the next year they won and the next year they won and the next year they won. They three-peated. Um, and, um, and the book is really loaded with all sorts of spiritual wisdom. I myself am a spiritual warrior. I had my Uh, 40 days and 40 nights out in the desert. It was more like uh, four years. I don't, you know, practice as much as I used to, uh, but I just feel it now. I carry it with me. And, and that book was part of it. That book was really central to my little spiritual journey. Oh, yes. Thanks. That, uh, as you say, that, uh, that story really stick to me. Good. Thanks. Jack, we are almost at the end of the interview, but finally... Could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing it daily or weekly as a routine to shine? Connect. It's all for me. Life is all about connection. It, 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 it I, maybe I'm an extrovert, but I know introverts like to connect too. Uh, and life is all about connection. So at least every week, 
I try to connect with somebody new. Mm-hmm. Um, and social media is great for that. I'm also a believer that so- social media helps fill your pipeline, but it doesn't get you the deal. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even talking sales here. Online and offline, I try to connect with somebody new every week. And, and those that I'm already connected with, I just try to go deeper. You know, it's all, you know, the human condition is all about connection. Um, I also say that 40 years from now, 50 years from now, I'm going to be dead. So, you know, why do I care now if I expose my heart a little too much? You know, I mean, if people aren't laughing at me, then my goals aren't big enough. So I'm just going to be authentic, and I believe that's the way of connecting, and I believe I draw the authenticity out of other people. So expose yourself, uh, be authentic, and and use it to connect with people. Connect with somebody new every week and go deeper with somebody new every week. Yeah, that's an excellent piece of advice. I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much, Jack, for this very interesting interview. Uh, your your book sounds uh, full of stories like the ones you have shared. And finally, could you tell us how our listeners can follow you or learn more about you? Sure. Well, my website is also a also hosts a blog. That's jackvincent.com. Uh, my book is on Amazon, A Sale is a Love Affair, Seduce, Engage, and Win Customers' Hearts. It was the number one new release in sales on Amazon in February. Um, and uh, so you can, you, know, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on all of those things. And you can follow my blog and, my, and learn more about me at jackvincent.com. Thank you very much, uh, Jack. All the best. Thank you very much, Oscar. It was a pleasure to be on the show. And I thank you very much. Thanks. Pleasure was mine. Bye-bye. So bye. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website, www.com. Time to shine podcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.